Pastor Dave Rolf says distorting the truth about the past doesn't necessarily make things easier in the present. A lot of times when God's leading us on, we tend to turn on people and distort our memories of them because emotionally it's easier to convince yourself that that person was actually a jerk always rather than to convince yourself that, well, they're a mixed bag. I received a lot of blessing from them, but they've also let me down at different times and right now it's best if I don't hang with them because it's just easier to deal with it that way. But when it comes to God, we need to recognize that there are people that he has used at different times to bless us, to show grace to us, to minister to us. And we shouldn't distort history in order to make living with the present easier to do. Wake up my soul. Wake up early in the day. Wake up my hand. And the instrument I play. Wake up my voice. Let the world hear me say, you are worshipped and it's all to hear today. We thank the Lord for this opportunity to open His balanced word. We've been traveling through 2 Corinthians in our usual verse-by-verse fashion with our teacher and pastor, Dave Rolfe. In the world as we know it, we tend to measure a person's success by their credentials and what they've achieved. But when it comes to ministry in the Christian life, it's really more about what we've received grace. We need to realize sooner rather than later that our sufficiency comes from God. You might be pleased to know you don't need a degree or 50 years of experience on your resume to be qualified to be used by God. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We saw in the end of chapter 2, Paul was kind of, and in this whole book, he's sort of stuck defending himself a little bit. He's been attacked a lot. People are saying things about him and questioning his calling and questioning his leadership and all. And so he, um, in dealing with all of that, he was just talking about how Satan rips people off by pulling them away, causing them to turn on uh, Paul and others and thus being shipwrecked themselves. But he said that we are a sweet aroma. We are, we are to have the fragrance that we, the gospel just shines forth from our lives. That the way we live our life just feels right and it just smells good. It smells authentic to people around us. And so, you know, he finally wraps up the chapter by saying, and by the way, I'm not peddling the word of God but this is sincerity as from God we speak in the sight of God and in Christ. He said, there are, the implication is there are some people out there who are hustling the gospel in order to profit for themselves, but he said, I'm not doing that. I'm sincere. I'm just telling you the truth, and that's what I've always done. And then now in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, do we begin again to commend ourselves? In other words, do I really need to talk about myself to defend myself to you. Pastor Chuck used to always say that if you want to defend yourself, then God will let you. But if you don't defend yourself, then God will defend you. And I'm tempted to defend myself so many times. You know, you get, someone's attacking you, they're saying things to you, they're saying things about you. And yet, I'm trying to learn to just let God have it. To not be... If you're going to defend yourself, you're going to be constantly defending yourself. 
it sort of invites the worst kind of people to attack you because it feeds their need that they have to get attention and, and it gives them some sort of interaction. And some people, the only kind of conversations they know how to have are adversarial ones. But Paul's attitude was, do I really need to even do this? Do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Apparently, there were people in those days who, and in these days too, felt like they needed paperwork. They needed to document what was going on. Or, you know, they would get a paper from somebody else saying, yeah, or they would sign a petition. They would say, here's what we think. And, and they would have a letter of recommendation from someone to show, see, they're on my side. And it was this whole game that was played all in the name of winning something, winning an argument or whatever, words going on and on. Um, it's like nowadays when you get served with legal paperwork and it's just a stack of stuff and you're like, what is all this about? And Paul's saying, do I really need to do that with you? Do I need to get other people to agree with me? Do I need to have some sort of letter that will say you're wrong and I'm right? But he said, you are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. He says, the only letter of recommendation I need is your own heart. And he says, you're written on my heart, and I've touched yours. In other words, you guys know what our relationship was at one point. There's a reason why you continued to listen to my teaching. There's a reason why you came to Christ and then wanted to be a part of the church. There was a connection between us. You heard what I had to say and as we're going to see from the rest of the chapter, the point was, you understood grace. Now, many of them understood the law beforehand and knew all about that. But it's always really special when you learn grace, when it begins to sink in that it's all about what Jesus has done. It's not about what you need to do. And so for many of them, they had no doubt tried to discipline themselves and to be good people, and they felt bad about where they were bad, and that's easy. But when someone can share with you in the grace of God, and it's a give and take, it's a mutual thing, by the way, because when you share with someone about God's grace and you see the eyes light up, when you see the response or you hear back from them how this is really making a difference. This, uh, I never thought about it that way before. I, I'm, I'm blown away by God's goodness. I'm blown away by the freedom that I have in Him. When that happens, it has as much of an impact on the person who is sharing as it does on the people with whom you're sharing. And we see this happen all the time in our relationships. There are some people who, the way they respond and the way they react toward me, it just makes me feel grace. I just 
You know, we always in this life tend to have our guards up because there are a whole lot of people in this world that will not give you grace. And so you kind of learn to expect problems. You learn to expect that people are going to complain and gripe, that people are going to judge you. That becomes the norm, unfortunately. But every once in a while, someone surprises you with grace, and it just relieves you. It takes the burden from you. It allows you to experience God's grace in a way that wasn't usual, that wasn't ordinary. And certainly with Paul and these people, as he began to unfold to them the teachings of grace, the nature of the gospel, the good news, then it did something to them, which then did something to him too. You can tell how much he loves these people. Now, when they messed up, he came down hard on them. The book of 1 Corinthians is just as, as tough love as you could possibly have. And grace doesn't mean you can't have tough love, but it always means that you've established a heart whereby, listen, I have shown God's grace to you, and I'm telling you what grace is. And ultimately, the bottom line, when it's all over, when it's all said and done, it's grace that I desire. It's what motivates me, and it's what causes me to want to share with you. Now, even as people shared times when they experienced God's love, we could go around the room and easily talk about times when God's grace was manifest to you. When it just clicked, it hit, it was like, wow, this is free? Wow, this is, I don't have to earn it? You mean, you're not condemning me? You're not telling me that I'm not good enough to be God's child? Instead, you're, you're, you're welcoming me with his grace? That's amazing. That's, you know, just life-changing. And we've made various connections with people based on that in our lives if we're Christians. And, and sometimes over time, you might drift away from those people. Sometimes over time, you move, you're at a different church, or you used to listen to somebody's teaching, but you're kind of, eh, you know, it's not as great as it used to be, or you're over it. There are friends who just kind of drift off and head in different directions. We have a very mobile uh, society and all. But if we think back to how we learned grace, it's so important to remember those connections. Because those moments of connection, even though, and, and there are plenty of times when a person who taught you about grace ends up letting you down or failing you in some way, that's life. You get to know anybody too long and too well, and you're going to be disappointed in them because they're only human. But it's important for us to remember, as Paul was stressing here with them, we had that grace connection. You are a part of my heart, and you will be forever. Man, I'm really bugged at you. I, I can't believe some of the things that I'm hearing that happened to you, but you're written in my heart. And I think if you dig down deep inside, I'm written in yours too. I've had that input to you. I've, you've grown as I've shared with you. And as a result, he's just saying, do we really need to argue about this? Do I really need to prove myself to you? Is there a question in your mind as to whether what we experienced was real? I've found a lot of times that people are 
in different churches for a period of time. And then God maybe leads them on to go somewhere else. And I don't, you know, a lot of times pastors will get up and really harp against that. But I mean, it's, I'm totally fine with that. You know, if there's ever a time when you feel that God wants you somewhere else, I would always want you to feel that you could go somewhere else. But just don't forget those people in your life who ministered grace to you when you needed it. A lot of times when God's leading us on, we tend to turn on people and distort our memories of them because emotionally it's easier to convince yourself that that person was actually a jerk always rather than to convince yourself that, well, they're a mixed bag. I received a lot of blessing from them, but they've also let me down at different times, and right now it's best if I don't hang with them. But it's one of the awful things that happens sometimes when people get divorced is they completely blank out of their mind any good times that were there, and they just say, I was never happy, I was always miserable, because it's just easier to deal with it that way. But when it comes to God, we need to recognize that there are people that he has used at different times to bless us, to show grace to us, to minister to us, and we shouldn't distort history in order to make living with the present easier to do. And so Paul's kind of appealing to that and calling them to think back. Now, some of those people who used to be big fans of Paul now weren't. Even in 1 Corinthians, we see there were some of them who were going, you know, I'm of Paul. Well, I'm of Apollos. Well, I'm of Peter. I'm of Christ. So he had lost some of his fans. But he's saying to all of them, you know what? I don't have anything to prove to you guys. I was honest with you, as he said in the end of the previous chapter. I shared God's grace with you. And I saw it affect your life. And if you think back, you'll recognize that. So accept it for what it is. Paul's not asking for anything from them. He's just saying, you know that I ministered to you. You know that I was there for you. You know I made a difference in your life. There are people who've made a huge difference in my life that I choose not to be involved with right now, but I should always be thankful for what they did in my life, for how God used them to be a blessing to me at different times. It's just a healthier perspective. And so I think it's good for us every once in a while to look back and to think, who were all the people who contributed to me understanding the grace of God as I understand it today? And for most people, it's not just going to be one person. It's probably a series of people. It's probably some people that you heard on the radio there was input from people in your family. There were different pastors at churches that you've been to. There are some books that you've read. There are friends that you've had. And I like Paul's imagery that when someone touches us, they are engraved in our heart and we are engraved in their hearts. There's a special connection, a special touch. And so he's appealing to that to sort of diffuse the situation also of them wanting to accuse him and him needing to defend himself. He's calling them back to earlier times and just saying, remember how, how much we meant to each other? Remember why we were friends in the first place? Remember how you came to Christ? The role that I had in that? 
You remember when the light started clicking on as I was teaching? He said, you're still there in my heart. And, and I'm still there in your heart, whether you realize it or not. And then he goes on and begins to use the law, the old covenant and the new covenant, as a metaphor for all of this. He says in verse 4, and we have such trust through Christ toward God. I, I trust that that's going to happen. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. He goes, look, I, I'm not saying I was so great. I'm not saying that I was so perfect. I've already said I was, I'm the chief of sinners. But what I'm saying is God worked through me, and I know that. I saw God working in your life. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. He says it was God that did the work in your life, but it was also God who enabled me to minister to you in a way that you understood. And so it wasn't just God coming to you. God used me, and don't forget that. And now he uses this thing, the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. The law in the Old Testament was given simply to show people that they were in trouble, to show people that they couldn't save themselves. I mean, you put up all the commandments that the law included, and the logical response in hearing it would have been to go, how in the world are we ever going to do all this stuff? This is impossible. Children of Israel were sort of naive, and so when Moses read the law, they said of one accord, all that the Lord has said, we will do. Later, God told them, well, that was a good thing to say, but you haven't done it, obviously, because the point of the law was to bring a person to an awareness of their sin. Still the point of the law. To this day, you can't have God work in your life until you realize that you need him. And so to the extent that we come to understand that we're messed up and can't do this on our own, there's still a need for that law. But the law was not demonstrating the real heart of God. And it wasn't demonstrating what the spirit of it was. Because what you can't see in the law, and many Jews have never come to understand, is that God only wanted to convict so that he could save and forgive. That was his heart. That was his desire. That was the whole point in him doing what he did. And it's all by grace. It's not by works. It's not by us being good at all. And so he sets up this little statement, and now he's going to go into more detail about it. But you probably often hear this, the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Well, this is the text that it comes from. Because even if you follow the rules, but if in your heart your relationship with God isn't there and you don't understand what he's trying to do, then following the rules doesn't do you any good if you miss the heart of God. It's why when Jesus talked about the law, he applied it in such a different way, such a radical way from the way everyone else did. I mean, you see things like the Sabbath laws. And Jesus and his disciples were walking through the field. They were picking food and eating it on the Sabbath day. And they called him on it. And they said, you guys are violating the Sabbath because 
they took a real strict literal interpretation of the law and said, you can't work on the Sabbath, therefore you can't even pick off a little piece of fruit or something and eat it on the Sabbath day. But Jesus told them, look, you got to understand the point of the law, the point of the Sabbath was for the benefit of people. He said, understand this, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Now, in a bunch of other cases in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and 6, he talked about what their traditional interpretation of the law said as opposed to in the spirit of the law, sometimes it was way stricter. He said, well, you guys say that, you know, don't commit adultery, but I'm telling you, if you're going and lusting after people that you're not married to, you're guilty of the same kind of sin. See, all of that was to try to say, there's a point to the law. Don't get the law and miss the point. And, of course, he was often upbraiding the Pharisees because they were so focused on the law and they so missed the point of the law to an extent that they would criticize him because he would heal someone on the Sabbath day. And they thought it's better to leave somebody cripple and not violate the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, do you not understand God at all? Do you, do, you don't understand the heart of God? Anytime you interpret the law in a way that disregards concern for people, you're missing the point. And believe me, there are plenty of Pharisees around still who would have some rule and then completely, with no common sense at all, in applying that rule, would just rigidly adhere to it and think that somehow they're being good. Paul said, what I taught you guys, and what it's so important that you need to understand is there's a spirit behind the law. There's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so anytime you disregard the spirit and then obey the letter, the letter of the law is what kills, he's going to go ahead and say. Because the law could only bring death, but what the spirit does is bring life, brings the solution. Thanks for joining us today for The Balanced Word with Pastor Dave Rolfe. Hear this study from 2 Corinthians again at thebalancedword.com or give us a call and request a CD at 949-362-7475. That's 949-362-7475. Pastor Dave has taught through the entire Bible, and we put the entire series on a USB for you. It's our featured resource right now, available for a donation of $30 or more. You can request this special offer at thebalancedword.com or call 949-362-7475. Here at The Balanced Word, everything revolves around the simple teaching of the Bible. Our mission is discovering balanced living through the Word of God. We're convinced that the Bible is God's Word to us, and living by the Word will give us the best life possible as we grow more healthy mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. Your donations help to make this possible, so thank you. You can make a contribution to the ministry at thebalancedword.com. And as you do, don't forget to ask for Dave's Through the Bible Study. Whether you live in the area or will be visiting soon, please know that you're always welcome to join us at Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel. Sunday morning services begin at 8, 9.45, and 11.30. You can also live stream those services at ccpacifichills.org. We want to pray for you 
So please send in those prayer requests right there at our website at thebalancedword.com. Or again, call 949-362-7475. Pastor Dave shares encouraging one-minute messages on Facebook and Instagram. It's a great way to start the day. Check it out at CC Pacific Hills. Or just log on to thebalancedword.com. We'll talk more about the freedom that is ours in Christ on our next Balanced Word. Here's a preview. To come to the Lord, to have your sins forgiven, to have the Holy Spirit come into your life as He is in every Christian, everyone who's ever regenerated, the Holy Spirit has given you as a seal, as a guarantee of what God is going to do. And then as you begin to walk with the Lord and you allow the Spirit to fill your life, He wants to set you free. It's about liberty. It's about allowing Him to run things. No longer being under an artificial structure, no longer living your life whereby you're constantly afraid that you're breaking some rule or you're constantly scared of not pleasing someone or of, you know, not measuring up. But the gospel sets you free. We'll pick up where we left off in 2 Corinthians next time on The Balanced Word with Pastor Dave Roth. This program is brought to you by Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel and online at thebalancedword.com. Wake up my soul, wake up early in the day, wake up my hands, and the instrument I play.